Hello. My name is Dr. Mercurio Arborea, and I am the founder of the Arborea Institute. Through our unique blend of benign pharmacology, sensory therapy, and energy sculpting, we can guide you to a new, better, happier you. You're about to embark on a great journey to the new age of enlightenment begin. What is at stake is more than one small country. It is a big idea, a new world order. It's no longer a theory. What I'm about to say is fact. The secret organizations of the world power elite are no longer secret. Welcome useless eaters to the Odd Man Out podcast, where we talk about hidden history, deep political policy, occult deconstruction, economics, religion, and philosophy. I'm your rabbit hole aficionado, the Odd Man. Welcome. Hello once again, useless eaters, to the Odd Man Out podcast. This is number two, and I thank you for joining me. One of my favorite subjects is propaganda, and it's many, many uses. And basically, the state or government could never survive without propaganda. Propaganda is in every aspect of our lives, from corporate America to the state, or is there even any difference? We have a GovCorp here in the United States. I was looking around at different types of propaganda techniques, and most of you will be familiar with Edward Bernays and his infamous book, Propaganda. But uh, I found this official document from the military called Psychological Operations in Guerrilla Warfare. And man, it is just chock full of goodies that I can't wait to share with you guys. Of course, this is for military operations against foreign armies or militias or different things like that. But obviously, all of these techniques can and has been and is being used on the United States of America, the public. And there's no doubt about that, as well as other citizens in other parts of the world. Psychological warfare aims at vital targets, thoughts, emotions, opinions, attitudes, It attempts to influence behavior by the planned use of propaganda. Many people think of propaganda as lies and distortions used by demagogues to arouse and incite. The Nazi propaganda minister, Dr. Goebbels, did his best to help this idea along. Actually, the word propaganda has no derogatory meaning. It comes from the Latin propagare which means simply to spread about. It was first used by the Jesuits in 1622, when they began a college of propaganda which trained missionaries to serve in distant lands. Today, as the battle for men's minds is intensified, the spreading about of our democratic faith is becoming increasingly important. Our national foreign information programs are used to support the accomplishment 
of our national aims and policies. And in time of war, psychological warfare is used to support the accomplishment of a military mission. This film will emphasize the military aspects of psychological warfare. So it has a little bit of an explanation before we get down to the highlights. And it says here, guerrilla warfare is essentially a political war. Therefore, its area of operations exceeds the territorial limits of conventional warfare to penetrate the political entity itself, the political animal that Aristotle defined. In effect, the human being should be considered the priority objective in a political war. And conceived as the military target of guerrilla war, the human being has his most critical point in his mind. Once his mind has been reached, the political animal has been defeated without necessarily receiving bullets. Now remember that, without necessarily receiving bullets, because it goes on to have some pretty violent uh, tactics in there. Number three is one of my favorites. It's called Armed Propaganda. Now, armed propaganda in small towns and rural villages and city residential districts should give the impression that our weapons are not for exercising the power over the people, but rather that the weapons are for protecting the people, that they are the power of the people against the government of oppression. And you could kind of apply that to the police here in the United States uh, as they become more and more militarized. And there are good policemen, I know that, the ones that follow the Constitution and the laws, but there are also a lot that are not good. And it's pretty simple, if you don't believe me, just do a quick search of officer arrested or officer sentenced, officer indicted, and you'll find out that there is a problem, you know. These red flag laws should really kind of scare people and make them realize that the people coming to get their weapons and coming to walk all over their Second Amendment right will be the boys in blue. Now, number four is an extension of armed propaganda. Armed propaganda teams will combine political awareness, building, and the ability to conduct propaganda for ends of personal persuasion, which will be carried out with the population. The guerrillas should always be prepared with the simple slogans in order to explain to the people, whether in an intentional form or by choice, the reason for weapons, the weapons will be winning freedom, they are for you. With weapons, we can impose demands such as hospitals, schools, better roads, and social services for the people, for you. Our weapons are, in truth, the weapons of the people. With weapons, we can change the communist regime and return to the people a true democracy so that we will have economic opportunities. From among their acquaintances or through observation of the target groups, political parties, workers' unions, youth groups, or other types of groups and associations, finding out personal habits, preferences, biases, as well as weaknesses of the recruitable individuals is key. Now, I'm telling you this, guys, because... It's so easy to think about how certain government groups could infiltrate uh, the public and try and control us. And you know that they're doing it. I mean, come on. Uh, every rebellion, every re revolution's already been hijacked. It's already been planned, the hijacking of it, long before it ever happens. Infiltration. All right, and it, it continues here. Make an approach through an acquaintance, and if possible, develop a friendship attracting him through his preferences or weaknesses. It might be inviting for him to go to lunch with you at a restaurant of his choice or have a drink at his favorite bar or cantina. 
or an invitation to dinner if he prefers. All of this should be designed to create an identification of the people with the weapons and the gorillas who carry them. Finally, we should make the people feel that we are thinking of them and that the weapons are the people's in order to help them and protect them from a communist totalitarian imperialist regime indifferent to the needs of the population. I realize that this could uh, get monotonous, but guys, there's a lot more ahead that's so good. And it really made me think after I read it about all the different demonstrations and riots and protests and whatnot that's come about in the last few years. You know, I really believe that those have been uh, hijacked, infiltrated, or maybe even planned by different agencies. Now, this part especially pisses me off because it just kind of shows how they know exactly how to infiltrate a group and make them think that they're on their side. So when the mass uprising is being developed, our covert cadres should make partial demands, initially demanding, we want food, we want freedom of worship, we want union freedom, steps that will lead us toward the realization of the goals of our movement, which are God, homeland, and democracy. And yeah, we know how much they care about all those things, you know. They've shown us in the last few years via the Patriot Act and many other things. If a lack of organization and command is noted in the enemy authority and the people find themselves in a state of exaltation, advantage can be taken out of this circumstance so that our agitators will raise the tone of the rallying slogans. Now this is where it starts getting good. Taking them to the most strident point if the masses are not emotionally exalted, our agitators will continue with the partial slogans and the demands will be based on daily needs, chaining them to the goals of our movement. The development and control of the cover organizations in a guerrilla war will give our movement the ability to create the whiplash effect within the population and when the order for fusion is given and when the infiltration and internal subjective control have been developed parallel with other guerrilla activities, a democratic guerrilla commander will literally be able to shake up the Sandinista structure and replace it. And it's really getting into what I was talking about earlier about the protests and the agitators and how to infiltrate a group and agitate a crowd and really get into some of the Saul Alinsky stuff that people really ought to check out, his rules for radicals. Know thy enemy. Separation of Corporation and State, a short history of psychological warfare. Psychological warfare is any action which is practiced mainly by psychological methods with the purpose of evoking a planned psychological reaction in other people. It has also been known by many other names or terms such as psyops, political warfare, hearts and minds, active measures, and propaganda. Various techniques are used and are aimed at influencing a target audience's value system, belief system, emotions, motives, reasoning, or behavior. It's used to obtain confessions or reinforce attitudes and behaviors favorable to the originator's objectives and are sometimes combined with black operations or false flag tactics. It is also used to compromise the target's psychological state of mind, mainly using the media and technology. Target audiences can be governments, organizations, groups, and individuals. These techniques are difficult to defend against because it uses people's core beliefs, identity, and emotions against them.
There were clear warning signs long before the age of the embed. During the assault on Serbia under President Clinton, a report emerged by the Dutch journalist Abe de Vries, revealing the presence of Psy warriors working at CNN. They derived from the 3rd Psychological Operations Battalion at Fort Bragg in North Carolina. De Vries quoted Major Thomas Collins of the U.S. Army Information Service. PSYOPs personnel, soldiers, and officers have been working in CNN's headquarters in Atlanta through our program, training with industry. They helped in the production of news. What made the Iraq war different were not so much the tactics or even the scale, but the high-tech synergy. It was almost impossible to tell where the state ended and the fourth estate began. One of the things that we don't want to do is to destroy the infrastructure of Iraq because in a few days we're going to own that country. Should they have used more? Should they, you know, use a Moab, the mother of all bombs, and well, a few uh, daisy cutters, and, right. you know, let's not just stop I, at a couple of cruise missiles. The invasion of Iraq represents a pinnacle of domestic cyborg in the United States, an unparalleled integration between public relations firms, corporate media, and military psyops. At the time of the assault, large segments of the American public were convinced that a nuclear attack by Saddam Hussein on their nation was not only possible, but imminent. Soldiers who comprised the invading force were similarly confused with a remarkable 77% believing that Hussein was responsible for the attacks of 9-11. Many earnestly believed that the mission was to destroy a mysterious group known as Al-Qaeda while bringing freedom to the Iraqi people. Yet what was actually happening was what the Nuremberg Charter describes as the single greatest crime under international law. The planning, preparation, initiation, or waging of a war of aggression. How did the land of the free and the home of the brave arrive at a place where citizens could be manipulated with such efficiency and on such a massive scale? And we're over halfway through with this paper, and I'm going to also add some uh, writings by Edward Bernays and uh, Walter Lippmann. So this is called Creation of the Nuclei. This involves the mobilization of a specific number of agitators of the guerrilla organization of the place. This group will inevitably attract an equal number of curious persons who seek adventures and emotions as well as those unhappy with the system of government. You can think about every protest you've seen in the last 10 years when you hear that quote there. The guerrillas will attract sympathizers, discontented citizens. As a consequence of the repression of the system, each guerrilla subunit will be assigned specific tasks and missions that they should carry out. Now, if possible, if possible, professional criminals will be hired to carry out specific selected jobs. Our agitators will visit the places where the unemployed meet as well as the unemployed offices in order to hire them for unspecified jobs. The recruitment of these wage earners is necessary because a nucleus is created under the absolute orders. Other cadres will be designated to design placards, flags, and banners with different slogans or keywords, whether they be partial, temporary, 
or the most radical type. Now, other cadres will be designated to prepare flyers, posters, signs, and pamphlets to make the concentration more noticeable. This material will contain instructions for the participants and will also serve against the regime. Specific tasks will be assigned to others in order to create a martyr for the cause, taking the demonstrators to a confrontation with the authorities in order to bring about uprisings or shootings which will cause the death of one or more persons who would become the martyrs, a situation that should be made use of immediately against the regime in order to create conflicts. Now let's read that over again, okay guys? Specific tasks will be assigned to others in order to create a martyr for the cause, taking the demonstrators to a confrontation with the authorities in order to bring about uprisings or shootings, which will cause the death of one or more persons who would become the martyrs for the situation, and this situation should be made of use immediately against the regime in order to create greater conflicts. Think about what we just heard there. They are talking about infiltration, putting in people who will agitate the crowds in the public to the point where there'll be shootings and death, and they want to create a martyr for their cause. So I want to just read a quick excerpt from uh, Bernays' Propaganda, written in 1928, and this chapter is called Organizing Chaos, and that makes me think of the Scottish Rite Freemasonry motto, Ordo Abdo Chow, Out of Chaos Comes Order. So, the conscious and intelligent manipulation of the organized habits and opinions of the masses is an important element in a democratic society. Those who manipulate this unseen mechanism of society constitute an invisible government which is the true ruling power of our country. We are governed, our minds are molded, our tastes formed, our ideas suggested largely by men we have never heard of. This is a logical result of the way in which our democratic society is organized. Vast numbers of human beings must cooperate in this manner if they are to live together as smoothly in a functioning society. Our invisible governors are in many cases unaware of the identity of their fellow members in the inner cabinet. So Edward Bernays and Walter Lippmann worked for George Creel under the Woodrow Wilson administration for an agency called the Committee on Public Information. And what that agency was, its job was to create domestic propaganda to talk America into going into World, World War I because up until that point we were a non-interventionist country just like the founders set it up. And they talked us into it by all sorts of different means through radio and different things. And uh, they were great at it. All right, guys, we're going to finish this one out. And I hope this has been educational for you guys. And I hope that you will think about it and maybe uh, jot some of this stuff down and tell other people about it as well. But uh, number five in this document says this, and this is the final one. Ways to lead an uprising at mass meetings. It can be carried out by means of a small group of guerrillas infiltrated within the masses who will have the mission of agitating, giving the impression that there are many of them and that they have popular backing. Using the tactics of a force of 200 to 300 agitators, a demonstration can be created in which 10,000 to 20,000 persons take part. 
The agitation of the masses in a demonstration is carried out by means of socio-political objectives. In this action, one or several people of a convert movement should take part. Highly trained as mass agitators involving innocent persons in order to bring about an apparent spontaneous protest demonstration. They will lead all of the concentration to the end of it. These key agitators of ours will remain within the multitude. The one responsible for this mission will assign ahead of time the agitators to remain near the placard that he will indicate to them in order to give protection to the placard from any contrary element. In that way, the commander will know where our agitators are and will be able to send orders to change passwords or slogans or any other unforeseen thing and even eventually to incite violence if he so desires. Now, here's the last paragraph, and I want you guys to think about all this, and next time you see a big demonstration, maybe think back to this and, you know, kind of apply the knowledge that you've heard. Okay, agitators of rallying cries and applause, they will be trained with specific instructions to use tried rallying cries. They will be able to use phrases such as, we are hungry, we want bread, and we don't want communism. Their work and their technique for agitating the masses is quite similar to those of the leaders of applause and of slogans at high school football teams or baseball games. The objective is to become more adept and not to just shout rallying cries. So guys, I will put the link for this document and I will put in a link for Bernays Propaganda I just want to thank you guys once again for taking the time to listen. It really means a lot. And I just want to let you guys know my intentions for making this particular episode was I'm really into propaganda and how it works and how psychological manipulation works on the human mind. We're subjected to it all the time through government, through entertainment, through every facet of our lives. And this has been on probably since the beginning of time. But now, in the digital age, it's easier than ever. You know, people should look back at the Wilson administration when he created the Committee on Public Information with George Creel to understand that that is domestic propaganda. That agency was created specifically to propagandize the American public into going for World War I because up until that point, we were against those type of foreign entanglements. And then... You know, you forward a few decades later to the 1960s where we had Operation Mockingbird, which was exposed, and uh, you can see some of those hearings on YouTube still. Uh, The church committee, guys look into the church committee, where it was exposed that the CIA was paying members of the media, and we're talking about the top media at the time, uh, to write stories for them. So you best believe that foreign governments, foreign people are not the only ones that are receiving propaganda. And if you know the techniques, the tactics, if you know how to spot psychological manipulation tactics, nudge theory tactics, you know, domestic propaganda tactics, if you know how to spot these, then you will be a much better person for it. And you can tell your family, you teach your children this kind of stuff. Fight consumerism, fight all the propaganda that's coming from every which direction. And if you look into everything I've just read out of this uh, guerrilla warfare document, 
you can pretty much apply that to either side of a political spectrum and how they work their propaganda. The, what I just read to you is not very different from Saul Alinsky's books and what he says. It's very similar. So when you know the signs, you know how to take it on, you know how to recognize it, and hopefully you won't get fooled every time by the hidden hand and the silver tongue. I just want to thank you once again for listening. Hope that you tune in next time. Cheers and blessings.